A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Mr. Beacon Podcast is sponsored by Williot. Scaling IoT with battery-free Bluetooth. Welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. Wonderful to have you with us. This week, we're going to be talking about a trend that's very significant in IoT, but more importantly, more, much more broadly in business. It's a revolution in the way supply chain is executed, the way it's performed. And we're seeing a huge shift now which involves a lot of very interesting technology and systems uh, to move from uh, an older generation of supply chain to a newer generation of supply chain that gives much more visibility, continuous real-time visibility. Uh, and this is an incredible opportunity for businesses and also for us in the IoT ecosystem. So I am really pleased to have Mahesh Varina, who's the CEO of one of the companies that is at the vanguard of this space. They have some amazing customers. They also have uh, amazing investors. Intel Capital is, uh, is uh, one of them. John Chambers is uh, also an investor and an advisor for the company, the ex-CEO of Cisco. So Mahesh, thanks very much for joining us to talk about this. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. Thank you. So um, maybe we should start off and talk a bit about this trend. What, you know, what is it that is changing? What are the drivers to the kinds of systems that you are implementing? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very fascinating thing going on and a very exciting trend, uh, Steve, right? So I see it as two uh, major shifts, market transitions happening. One, the digital that's impacting supply chain. It's impacting everywhere, but in supply chains. This whole digital transformation and going digital, right? Manual processes being automated and so on. And I'll elaborate a lot more on these two points. The second <laughs> is uh, um, uh, the, the, the supply chains themselves uh, are historically built more supply-driven, and now they're becoming more demand-driven. Absolutely. Right? Uh, the second aspect of that is um, uh, they were also very planning centric. Uh, you plan, plan, plan. You take the best laid out plans to battlefield and things start going wrong, right? So now there is a focus on execution side. So mm -hmm. what they used to call this uh, SNOP, sales planning and uh, 
uh, operations is now becoming SNOE, sales <laughs> operations and execution kind of platforms, right? So those are the two big shifts. One more from just generally this digitization and second is the, the what I call this planning and uh, supply centric moving more to demand centric networks. Now, that's the big shift. Mm -hmm. uh, if you double click, there are some very interesting why and what, and uh, we can go into that. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd love to, let's double click in a second. So you are a company that is providing the cloud systems and also the, some of the, 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 the tags, the, the, the hooks, the bridge between the digital and the, and the physical world. And we'll talk about what those are in a, in a little bit. Are you replacing systems when you come in? Is there other a set of legacy systems, or is this like a greenfield area? Uh, no, great question. So, I mean, pretty much, if you step back and take a look, right? What's the current situation? Where is the market, and how do they solve these problems? So, historically, in the last uh, 15, 20 years, when you built these uh, supply chains, went through a huge. I would almost call it we're in a supply chain 4.0 era. I mean, they were all local, then they went uh, kind of more suppliers and all that, then went global. Now we're into this uh, 4.0 version. So how do you build them? These are in the last 20 years, you have a ERP system managing all your systems of record transaction, warehouse management system, transportation management systems. So over time, uh, these companies have built up over acquisitions and stuff, many, many, many fragmented data silos and data fragmentation, mm -hmm. very rigid data model. So that's how they're built, right? One mm -hmm. system doesn't really talk to the other system and you have all the information, but you really don't have the insights. That's uh, one of the uh, kind of how this is solved today, right? Now, where is the need for this real time and all that coming in? Um, uh, as you build these systems, uh, let us say you have a, take an example, like uh, you have a pharma company uh, making vaccines and trying to ship them. Uh, once they leave your facility and there are multimodal hubs, you really lose visibility on what exactly is happening. And the only way they keep track of it today is stick in like a little, uh, what they call a data logger, goes through the entire journey, pick it up, stick it into a laptop or PC and then get the data post facto, right? So mm -hmm. that's now moving to, I want to know real time, where is my stuff? What condition is it in? Uh, mm -hmm. When is it arriving? Is it in yes. compliance? These are types of things that are bringing this whole real time visibility and sensory stuff into the fore. So are these data loggers akin to kind of the batch systems of the past? It's automation, but it's not real-time automation? Or what do you consider to be real-time? Uh, so, so many, many aspects, right? So what happens is, uh, let us say, as a pallet of these vaccines leaves uh, facility today, it's a transaction in a system, the way it operates today. Mm -hmm. And then as it moves along, uh, there are many, many, there is a truck moving it from your uh, distribution center to an airport, sits there, got on a plane, there is another hop on a truck and finally get to a customer, let's say. So all these geo, you can almost think of them like waypoints along the journey. There is no data on what's happening really to that package as it moves through. It could be stranded at the airport. 
you really don't know if it really got on the flight what condition is it in while it's moving right is it exposed to the elements so that data is being recorded for compliance reasons but you don't get to see it until the end of the journey mm-hmm. so now with these modern systems what's happening is you're putting a sensor on it and it's giving you continuous signals through mm-hmm. a cellular backhaul or what have you and when it hits a geofence you know exactly when it entered the geofence did it exit the geofence and now you can add in contextual data like a plane data mm-hmm. uh, saying hey it was supposed to be on a lufthansa whatever lh24 flying milan to frankfurt did it really get on the flight and where is it or it's left at the if it's uh, still in milan it's sending signals back saying i'm stranded here right mm-hmm. so today in your uh, transactional systems you really can't tell you think it's on the flight you really don't know so that's where all this real timeness is kicking in and at the same time not just the location you're marrying it with a lot of contextual data saying uh, what's the temperature what's the humidity if it's in a bulk container is the door open or closed is there a tilt all these is it exposed to light so these are all real time uh, steve right very good so as a past engineer this makes a world of sense to me i mean you'd want real time you'd want a continuous view what is the business justification for investing in this because this sounds like it's not this is not a trivial exercise that we're yes. we're talking about how does the cfo um sign off on the kinds of investments because we're talking about a lot of connectivity um uh, tagging right. reading infrastructure your systems yeah. and uh, changes in processes what's the what's the business benefit well a uh, number of benefits right if you look at uh, and also thanks to i mean it, this is not new people wanted visibility visibility is a foundational element but it's one of those uh, intersection points in time uh, technology has uh, technology is the other vector that's driving it there right i mean you pick up your average cell phone you probably have 15 different sensors and yes. for all kinds of sensors are now shipping in billions so sensors have become cheap uh, connectivity and mobility is ubiquitous cloud is a centralizing thing again mm-hmm. right and then all these advanced processing so once all these came together these solutions became very economic to implement right right uh, and then the benefit for the uh, for the for the businesses is on time delivery uh, measuring mm-hmm. number of these metrics uh, uh, is this in compliance right uh, these are all big benefits uh, really productive if, if a vaccine package gets lost you're talking losses in the millions of dollars typically mm-hmm. right so this especially in the high value assets the roi is huge is it in compliance is there a product loss is there on time delivery which has a a customer impact so that's how they are evaluating the roi mm-hmm. uh, same thing in indoor facilities as well we're seeing right uh, when a when a bulk material moves through a process within a facility if it gets exposed to amb- ambient temperature for too long it has to go through a quarantine cycle cost millions of dollars for them right so the roi is very easy to justify and this technology improvement simplified the implementation pretty much right mm-hmm. and uh, pretty cost effective to do this 
And it seems to me like if you know where everything is in your supply chain, you can potentially have less of it and you can have more of it, more of what you have left in the right place at the right time. It's, uh, it's freeing up capital. It's uh, driving better conversions of sales, uh, all, all of these things as well. Exactly. You're hitting the nail there. Uh, that's the other. I was only talking about the condition and location and where is it. The other yeah. dimension is how many of it do you have? Yes. Uh, if you go into the CPG and retail space, is yes. the right yes. stuff, right place, right time? Right. right. Am I? And this buffer stock issue is a big thing. So that's another dimension. Now, unit level economics can easily be measured as well, right? Um, so yeah, absolutely. And you, uh, but I can see why the focus, given uh, what we're going through with the pandemic and uh, vaccines, uh, I think at the front of everyone's mind. So let's uh, come back to that use case in a minute. But I think what we should do now is just talk a bit about Cloudleaf. And um, perhaps you can tell us a bit about your, your company and what you're offering that makes this transformation uh, feasible for some, some very large customers. Right. Again, uh, let me step back, give you that big picture. Why this, right? I, I talked a bit about how uh, the situation is. Most of the supply chain is architected as a large-scale siloed systems. That's yeah. one. Meanwhile, um, the world has moved on. Uh, Amazonification, we all experience that, right? Click, click. You expect mm -hmm. same-day delivery, next-day delivery. Uh, you know where your stuff is. Mm -hmm. Consumers' uh, behavior completely changed. They expect authenticity, right? Uh, is this uh, ethically so sustainability kind of concerns? So that whole uh, uh, shift in uh, demand-driven, uh, very speed of delivery, all that is one of the dimensions. Then the last dimension is we are seeing this right now in this pandemic, right? Like uh, 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 the whole geopolitical and trade tensions. Right when there is a disruption like COVID, all kinds of trade lanes and it's like a multi-point failure happening simultaneously. How do you cope with that? So this whole shift in supply chains towards digitization and towards more agile, resilient kind of supply chains, right? To be able to do uh, at scale on demand is kind of where these are headed in the next decade or so. So that's the opportunity we saw uh, as we got into this. The, this company originally was founded as an IoT company, uh, mm -hmm. right? I'm uh, one of the investors on it. Then I was on the board, then took over as CEO in the last uh, three years because I found this a very exciting large scale opportunity. Then we focused our energies on this supply chain because you can apply these technologies, many places. We said supply chains are going through a huge transition. Let's apply there. So our whole mission is uh, bring really powering these next generation digital supply chains, if you will, by bringing this real time continuous visibility, intelligence, and predictive insights. Right? Mm -hmm. We leverage IoT, AIML, and cloud technologies to deliver this. Uh, so that's our whole mission. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe there is, uh, I mean, I didn't know much about supply chains as I got into this, but I mean, entire uh, food we eat, medicines you take, the clothes you buy, everything is moving through this pipe. Mm -hmm. And it's a complex global kind of network right now. And how yeah. do you kind of really uh, bring efficiencies into that? That's what we're helping drive.
And you asked a question uh, early on in the beginning, uh, are we replacing stuff? We don't replace stuff. While the systems are built like that, they have become systems of record. So businesses still operate with those systems of record. Like if you have SAP, 95% of the time we see SAP and multiple instances of them when we go in, right? So SAP is still there. That's used for all your transactional information, gap reporting, everything. But it, is it helping you in your operations when something is moving along in a uh, in a in transit or in a warehouse or something? Very hard. So that's where we are moving in with the sensory technologies and all that. And so, who are the users? What are the roles of the people that are using? Because we still have our ERP yeah. system, we have the manufacturing execution systems that are sitting doing their thing. Uh, who, who are your users? Three, four different personas that use, depending on the industry type and industry sector. Let us say you're more in the, the way broadly I think about it is supply chains as source, make, distribute, right? Mm -hmm. Today we address a lot of, uh, I mean, the demand is in a lot of distribute side. How is it doing from my factory delivery to my customer? I call that like a B2B logistics mm -hmm. or from my DCs to direct to the consumer, mm -hmm. which is a B2C or a direct to consumer. So it's like mm -hmm. a last mile. The last mile has radically shifted also. So the, the, the distribute is one of the areas we serve heavily and a little bit of uh, in the factory or in the make, whether it's in the warehouse or factory. Those are the two segments, let's say. Now, if you look at by industry sector, it's either the VP supply chains. They want to get a dashboard of what's happening in execution. They laid out a fantastic plan. They know monthly, quarterly, where they want to go. But then today, what's happening operationally? Is this going to arrive in time? Is it in the right conditions? These are kinds of things uh, at a VP level, getting dashboard, what's red. Then there are these uh, operational uh, directors and people that are functionally responsible and then managers. Those are three levels we see. And this could be merchandising managers, planning managers, logistics managers, somebody receiving stuff within the warehouse, somebody responsible for shipping out. These are types of personas we see, Steve. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Um, so if we kind of think about what's threatening all our lives, this uh, coronavirus pandemic. And I'm sure there's a massive wave of um, research. We know there's research going on on these vaccines. Um, and hopefully we're going to have a few candidates. And so I imagine there are Herculean efforts, not just to manufacture the, the vaccine, but then decisions being made about how are we going to get this out to the, the yeah. people. You know, one option for this, and in some way, I don't know how much of this is new ground or whether this is just kind of, you know, we, we do this all the time. Vaccines are not new, but maybe vaccines on this scale are, 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 are certainly very, very significant. If it seems like you have a lot of the building blocks to support that sort of uh, effort, uh, you can give right. people a head start, but... What are the alternatives? Could is it is it uh, even realistic for someone to write something for, for from scratch uh, to to do what you do? And this is maybe a little bit of an odd question. So so another way of asking it is, 
tell us a bit more about what you offer. You know, what are the components? How long did it take to, to, to build it? What does it, it look like? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, it looks like two parts. One, how is the COVID-19 and this current vaccine effort? And then the, how is the platform architected? I'll get into that. So the first one, uh, interesting one uh, you touch on, we, uh, as an industry, we are focused on pharma, life science, food and beverage, high value items, cold chains, uh, FDA concerns, so on, right? That's, and then manufacturing, high value manufacturing. And over time we see by first half getting into more retail CPG environments as well, right? Especially with technologies like yours, Will IoT coming along, right? So that's the what, what we serve. So pharma life science, interestingly, uh, as we all see, COVID has kind of drove some businesses into hyper acceleration and some into like if you are in a hoteling or uh, airlines, we're seeing it all around, right? Slowdowns and so on, right? So in the pharma life science, uh, it's been almost like a 12 to 18 month acceleration of their plans. They were all on this digitization track, but now they have to react and by December put plans, which they have never done before, Herculean efforts, not only R&D of the vaccines, how do you stand up manufacturing capacity? Then the question of how do you distribute this? A lot of them are going to be in the beginning, the partners we're working with, they'll be in the cryo temperatures at minus 70, minus 80, so you don't lose this valuable material, right? Mm -hmm. Normally they ship in this two to eight degrees centigrade. So a lot of care has to be taken. And like I said, historically, this is sort of ship and pray. And for compliance reasons, you have a little logger, you go to the other end, pick it up and see everything was okay or something went wrong. Today, they want to make sure everything is digitally recorded, take out the manual processes, and by end of uh, the year, they're standing up these facilities to know where is their stuff, right? Is it getting to the right place? Is it in the right conditions? And we are talking uh, literally billions of these doses going around the world, right? So it is a huge Herculean effort and they're all over it. So that's where we are seeing a lot of opportunity and we've been very busy just with that segment in this first half. Uh, coming into it in March, we wasn't sure, like uh, everybody else, like what's really going to happen? How is the demand profile going to shape up? So we're seeing a lot of acceleration. Food is a little bit behind that, I would say. And uh, again, a lot of challenges there, uh, bringing in new processes. Fortunately, with our platform, uh, we're all cloud-based. You can light this up on Amazon or uh, Azure or where have you. 
and Azure has become a very favorite platform for most of these companies, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because they're already uh, enterprises on Azure. Uh, so light this up, and then really uh, we made the process completely smooth by pre-integrating a number of sensors. We are completely hardware agnostic, so you can light this up out of the box mm -hmm. and do some customizations. Our platform is architected. You get this entire visibility dashboard, so you onboard your uh, assets or what have you, your shipment routes. And typically we can bring these through APIs and absorb it into our platform. And mm -hmm. now you're setting up your business rules. Say I have these uh, 40 lanes I ship regularly through and it leaves Chicago, hits whatever Puerto Rico and goes into Frankfurt and here, right? So. Uh, these lanes are all architected and rules are written. After that, the machine is running, right? So that's how simple we made the system. Now, if you look at the platform architecture, second part of your question, very fascinating. I mean, we're uh, in these times of, uh, uh, our whole view on this was coming into this. Uh, you touched on this in the beginning. These monolithic large scale systems won't fly in future. These have to become more like the, B2C, microservices architectures, how did over build their platform for marrying drivers and uh, cars, right? Like how do you do that with a simple mobile app and a backend platform that's doing all this magic? That's the approach we took. So everything is a large scale microservices architecture, runs around a Kafka bus, and we absorb all these signals, whether they're coming from uh, your sensors, varieties of sensors which were agnostic, or they're coming from contextual data like planes, ports, or weather, traffic, what have you, right? And the third piece of data is the business systems data. So we have the data ingestion and normalization and all that that comes in. And we built a, a what I call a digital twin technology. Mm -hmm. uh, this digital twin models your supply chain. And then lastly, we have all the AIML algorithms that are computing condition, ETA, uh, inventory situations and all that and generate insights up. And everything is exposed as APIs on top of the platform for the customers to easily build their own uh, experiences or integrate into their other services. Pretty good. So, make, so that's kind of how we go about it. What are the, so what are the technologies that you're currently using to link the digital with the physical? Um, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming it's a, it's a whole basket of different tools. Uh, right. To do that. No, I, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, so if you historically look at uh, when you, there the many, many sensor technologies, right? Uh, these are picking up uh, temp, shock, vibration, humidity, what have you, all that location data. Now, how do you communicate that uh, the radio signal? BLE became one of the uh, key candidates within uh, either in transport or within. And then there is a cellular backhaul as well. So mm -hmm. the way we connect, uh, either there are gateways in the middle from these sensors that are onboarded into our platform or directly coming in cloud to cloud. It can be mm -hmm. coming on from another system and then uh, gets into our platform, right? And then we normalize, everything is an event in the system. It's an event-driven architecture. And then it flows up the stream. It, it, it's so exciting. I mean, it's a simple thing that we're gonna continuously uh, track and monitor everything, but it's a, a gargantuan task. And I think it, it can only be achieved riding 
some waves that are already building and flowing through the system and you have like connected transportation. I used to work at Qualcomm. They, they started off, I mean, the, the cash cow that gave us the technologies that became 4G and 5G was Omnitrax, which was uh, basically right. about wiring trucks uh, through, through the satellites and that sort of thing. But, you know, where are we now, do you think, in terms of having all those different steps wired? I mean, it used to be that factories, you were lucky if the factory even had Wi-Fi, and now we're seeing beacon infrastructure and the Wi-Fi and the beacon yeah. infrastructure morphs. Um, we're seeing containers that are, are, are wired. You know, from my, myself, I have a very vested interest. <laughs> my day job is all about tags and, uh, uh, and so forth. But those tags are really only come into their own when there's a connection, a continuous connection. And how close do you think we are to having the life of a product continuously connected from uh, uh, materials, manufacturing, uh, distribution, retail, and then the, the home. It, we're clearly getting there, but the question is when and how soon. And uh, you know. I think uh, it's going to be a process. Uh, uh, large swaths of it, as you said, is still greenfield, but it's starting. That's why I think of it like a pyramid. At the top of the pyramid, the high-value items are getting wired. Like uh, we, we announced a deal with a company called CSafe Global, which is one of the world's largest uh, cold chain container management companies, right? These are bulk containers. Uh, literally, they're outfitting uh, their entire fleet of containers with these electronics now. You know when the door is open or closed, what is the chamber temperature, what is the ambient temperature, light, tilt, all that. And it has a continuous, uh, since they're conditioned chambers, they have a battery pack, luckily, so they can run it. And it has a continuous connectivity, cellular, LTE and in future 5G connectivity, right? Now it's like a moving little warehouse with all of that and it's sending data. How do you take that data? How do you process that data and give the insights? That's what we do. We, we really uh, literally avoid those. So it is coming very fast at us, uh, Steve, the way I see. Uh, and we're seeing use cases everywhere, like uh, high value assets. We have a customer where we have 30,000 assets wired up, they move across 13 facilities and they want to continuously monitor what's happening, right? So it's happening very fast and that infrastructure install is getting smoothened out and mobile has become a very key piece. It's almost like a mini gateway in your hand that can communicate signals back to the cloud. So that wave is coming. And what you guys do, I see hugely, phenomenally going to change the world, right? In the next uh, two, three years, uh, we have a lot of demand asking us at a unit level. How do I track at a unit level what's going on? Uh, we work with a very large blood plasma company and plasma is a very expensive material and rare commodity saving lives, right? And every time plasma comes out, today it's all a lot of errors and manual tracking. They slap a little barcode, paper, it's frozen. They have to maintain minus 20 degree temperature. So you lose sometimes the little sticker on top. Yeah. Where do you get this blood from? What type? You can't trace it back. So they want to put electronic bacons on it, right? And trace literally 8 million liters a year, just this one company. So I see this coming at us very fast. 
the systems are not ready so slowly as we build these platforms that can absorb this data. So my own prediction, it's uh, next two, three years. I mean, all that talk we hear, billions of these endpoints getting connected yeah. will become real. Yeah, there's a massive push on 5G. We're seeing more and more containers becoming uh, uh, connected. And I think we've been conditioned by the Uber user experience of being able to, you know, the Uber is about tracking maybe your car or your, your uh, lunch that's being delivered. Um, but, you know, what I've seen is we're starting to do that with everything. And uh, the idea of having a view of a factory where you can see every product, every person, every tool, every uh, batch of raw materials, every piece of finished goods, and you just see it moving around in real time. And then you pull up and then you can see it real time flowing through your distribution network into the stores. And I think... It's a little bit of a dream, but it's actually a dream that's coming into reality. And uh, uh, people will very soon expect to have everything connected and have a real-time view of where it is. And I think you guys are playing a, an important role of, uh, of bringing all the threads together to, uh, to expose that and, and make it happen. No, absolutely. We, we see uh, we're working with one of the retailers. Again, use cases illustrate this very well, right? a large apparel retailer, stuff lands in the country, goes through a transloading dock, they say, where they break up the containers into smaller packages to distribute. And they have 16 different distribution centers around the country, about a 1300 store footprint. The flow of inventory through that chain, while their systems, ERP systems know, oh, we got whatever, 100,000 pieces of this, 100,000 pieces of that, they just can't tell exact layout of that inventory. It's more a transactional end of the day, end of the week or something. They would rather get some sort of a real-time visible where that flow is, how much is in the stores. And interestingly, I found it's a common case, I guess. A third of that could be unproductive inventory. In, the, in their game, uh, their cash is tied up in inventory. How fast do you turn that back into the cash is the game? So knowing where it is, how much of it, which kind, and what is happening is very important. And if you have that visibility, when an omni-channel request comes in, you know exactly where to fulfill from or where to direct it. And this whole growth of e-commerce is driving even more this visibility towards that, right? Uh, uh, and then driving that unproductive inventory down so they don't have to do markdowns or out of season or liquidations and recoup more cash out of it. So applications abound uh, and uh, pretty much next two, three years, you'll see this explosion and COVID has only accelerated. You look at, like, we're seeing so many of these bankruptcies and closures on one side, and right? And the ones that are left have to compete with Amazon pretty much. And e-commerce is probably going to double or triple after this. How do you cope with that, right? So it's, uh, it's very fascinating times. Wonderful. Well, Mahesh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for your time. Um, uh, I uh, uh, know it's simple where people have to go to find out more uh, about you, cloudleaf.com, right? And uh, thanks very much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. Appreciate it. So I don't know, are you a particularly musical person? Is uh, music a big I, part of your life? 
I enjoy music, but I, I wouldn't say I don't sing or I don't play instruments. <laughs> no, no, none of those talents. <laughs> you and me but both. I do enjoy music. And where I, I mean, having grown up in India and then uh, traveling globally, I enjoy all kinds of music. So, <laughs> Fantastic. So what, uh, what would you choose if you were on this uh, trip to Mars and you just had three songs that you could take? What would your... Yeah, that was a be? good question and difficult one to think <laughs> with the long trip. <laughs> so I, I thought of, uh, Steve, like think of it like uh, three things. One, something that brings me memories back from what I grew up. You're on a long journey, <laughs> keeps you kind of going and uh, it's all memories, right? When you're on that. So one was from uh, my childhood growing up, my local music in the South India. There's oh. some beautiful melodious music, right? Uh -huh. uh, there are, mostly it's duets. People wouldn't know that on this call, but maybe a few of them, but uh, there is a song, uh, uh, it, it's language in Telugu, right? That's, that's what we speak. So uh -huh. it's two famous singers, Gantasala and Susila. All right. <laughs> Their songs are very, I'll pick one of their songs. There's so many to pick. That kind of triggers my memories, I thought, and my childhood growing up and all that. Very good. And if there was one, one of their songs, which one would you choose? I don't know. So many of them. There's a, people who know the lyrics, I would say, ooh, there's a song called, I'll maybe sing a little bit. Ooh, halu gusa gusa lade. This is a beautiful song, right? It's like a romantic yeah. song. Means uh, these thoughts are going through your head and they're whispering in your ear. That's what, what I just said means, right? Fantastic. And, and so when did you move from India? What, how, how long? Um, almost 30, 30 plus years. I came here uh, actually January 1st, 85. <laughs> Landed oh, in snow in Detroit, actually. Amazing. Okay, so that's a great start, and I love it when people choose personal songs. Sometimes people choose songs and they're trying to be clever, and, but, uh, but so that's yeah. great. And what would your second uh, song be? Uh, my second song, so I thought something that triggers memories and all that childhood and everything, right? You're on this. Second is something that relaxes me. I, I, I listen to some classical music, by no means any expert there, but I enjoy yeah. And one thing I don't have, I never get bored hearing again and again is this Mozart symphony, right? Like a, a piano concerto number 21. I don't know okay. if you ever heard that. It's a very popular one. And Dante, yeah. it's a very slow rolling. I never get tired. I hear that again and again. So I thought something that relaxes me. That's one. Uh, it was in a famous movie. It's called Elvira Madigan. Uh, that, right. That's a tune I like. Beautiful. Then lastly, it was a tough one, uh, 80s music probably, 80s, something in the 70s, 80s that energizes me, right? Right. <laughs> um, some rock. I mean, I had a tough time. I was looking at Elton John, Rocket Man, or a Bee Gees, Staying Alive. <laughs> very good. We haven't had Staying Alive, but that would be very appropriate. Yeah, yeah. yeah Staying Alive <laughs> is what I was thinking. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Well, thanks for indulging us. And I'm... Love that you took a personal uh, approach to choosing those songs. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.